Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shannon Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Welcome to Chanadak. I'm your host, Trevor, and if you had listened to our pre-ramble, you'd know that I have a small head. <laughs> I'm Jay, and I don't know if I said this in the pre-ramble, but I am like Josh and have a huge head, although I don't have an oversized heart like Josh, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> the only, The closest thing Jay's had to a Grinch moment is, you know, love for his cats. That's that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm Josh, and I I make foolish decisions. <laughs> that's that's what we should have named this podcast: <laughs> foolish decisions. Foolish decisions by some old men. <laughs> okay. How does that so, acronym out. I'm gonna check that acronym out. Carry on. We we ran out of time the pre-ramble to to discuss something that had been going around in my head. So every time I, I finish, you know, a new book in the Dresden Files, I'm like, man, it'd be really cool to do a Dresden Files RPG campaign. And that happened this time. But the, the thing that uh, I thought would be kind of cool with it, so the character creation process in the Dresden Files RPG is, is a lot of fun. Um, there's a lot of cool things that go on with it. But one of the things that's cool as well is... There's almost like a city character creation process. Yeah. And obviously the um, in the Dresden Files, Chicago plays a very prominent role in it. And I, I think that you would be like missing out a lot of the um, RPG if you decided to set things in Chicago um, instead of creating, going through the process of creating your own. But one of the things that I thought would be kind of interesting is i I don't think this is going to be a spoiler but because it's in the title but the title of the last book is battlegrounds and so there's you know a a big fight that happens in in the last book and um, i think it would be kind of interesting to um on the, the characters that are being created for whatever reason in their character creation process they're where that fight took place and then they go back to their home and have kind of the experience or the knowledge from having uh, been in that. Battle. Oh, interesting. So you could that way take advantage of the Chicago setting and then also with your. Yeah, there's, there's kind of like some some world altering <laughs> events with either, you know, normal humans or et cetera that you could um, kind of piggyback off of. Right. That I think would be sort of cool or fun. But. Like I, I said in the pre-ramble, uh, this is just a fond dream of <laughs> something that is not likely to happen. <laughs> Jay recognizes Listen. some of the obstacles that stand before us. 
we, we just need to be the initiators of the old folks home for geeks so that oh, when we retire uh, and we get kicked yes. out of our homes by our children, that we can go to the old folks home and play D&D. I'll yeah, be like, should what? put together a business plan. What did you that. roll? What? I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure. What? <laughs> all the all the staff would have to have special training to understand. No, no, you need to explain to Mr. Christensen that that dexterity stat means that he does have to re-roll that. <laughs> um, and then I guess the the final bit of news. This I guess by the time this goes to the general public, it might be sold out. But this weekend, for the the people who are doing early access, um, at the end of February is when the new um, core set for Kill Team is going for pre-sale. And there's a, a camp. Is that like a different edition, or is it just a different core set with like different models in it? Um, it's not a new edition. They might they might have like add a- some rules probably. Yeah, they might have some small rules. They they have a campaign book that's coming out at the same time. Oh, that'd and, be cool. And that's two, what I thought I had the fair from the very beginning. Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty sure it's a campaign book. Um, and then they have two pretty cool terrain sets as well that are coming out at the same time. And so, uh, and it's it's uh, with the launch of the new edition, they've been doing a lot of stuff with Necrons, and so the new starter box is Necrons versus Space Marines. Um. And the, the good news is that um, instead of being capped at like three of each new release, I'm capped at 30, which so it won't sell out instantaneously, but it sh- should probably sell out. So get your get your kill team while you can. So it is going to be time for another bracket. This one does not have the Pokemans on it, so I'm sorry, Chili. You'll have to wait a little bit longer. For us to say <laughs> disgraceful things about Pokemon on air. Are we like? Are we gonna have like a a reverse lottery, like a bad lottery for who's the one defending? Actually, it probably should be Trevor because he at I'll least is it. the most rational one about defending. I would defend it. I don't have anything against it, but like it just needs to not be me. <laughs> Fair. Okay, so Josh, you're going to be the moderator of our first matchup, and it is the X-Wing minis game versus the Dresden Files novels, question mark? It's the Dresden Files universe. It covers Oh, I thought we explicitly said not to include the television show. (laughs) Sure, you can toss the television show out. I'm not going to attack the television show. The truth be known, I would rather that the lower seed, which is the Dresden Files... Uh, advanced here, but I will defend X-Wing. Okay. I have played plenty of X-Wing, so... Uh, okay, well then, I guess on that note, I'm supposed to... Well, theoretically, the higher seat should go first, but whatever. Trevor, go You first. can do whatever you want. You have but the I like, I want, you I want were the moderator to have the last word. I mean, that's what this really comes down to. Let's well, so who did you say is going X-Wing? first? So Trevor's going to go first. He's X-Wing is, the, is also the higher seed, so if yeah. you want right. to stick with that, it, it, it works both ways. Trevor, you have a minute, allegedly. You allegedly. <laughs> uh, I think that X-Wing is based off of the a very simple, but easy to understand, but great uh, rule set. It is based in one of the most famous uh, miniatures worlds, uh, Star Wars, obviously, that's ever been. 
those combinations make for a great miniatures game. It's been one of the best-selling miniatures games of the last uh, decade, and I think that it has even more looking forward to it in the future. X-Wing, if you have not played X-Wing, you should go out and play it right now. It's fun, it's quick, and it's easy to understand. That's all I'm saying. Wow, okay. <laughs> Jay, I'm going to give you Trevor's 20 seconds. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, no, no. <laughs> For no reason other than I'm here to abuse my power, folks. <laughs> okay, so The Dresden Files is a fantastic series. Um, one of the things that is kind of interesting that, you know, I, I just read book 17 and it honestly feels like it's going to go for another 20 books, <laughs> uh, which I guess your mileage may vary on whether you like that idea or not, but right. you, you do fall in love with the characters. Um, I, I will say it's, it's uh, style and tone is not necessarily for everyone, but you it's, it's fast moving. It is humorous. You fall in love with the characters, with the setting, with it. It's a good enough series that it it took a uh, genre that Trevor hates of urban fantasy, <laughs> Card and game? it's one of his favorite series. I will mention that I did hate the Dresden Files card game. I sold it. Okay. Uh, I'll also <laughs> say that if you if you are starting the series, I've, I've said this several times, but. Uh, if you get through the first two books, the third book, I feel like it does have a jump up in uh, how his writing style, how well it writes. And that continues through the um, series, in my opinion. He gets better as an author. Isn't that really only because that book has your favorite character in it, basically? Be honest, Jay. That's your favorite character that's in that one. <laughs> oh, what what book is it that his brother it's, shows up? Uh, Probably the fourth one. Oh, okay. All right. The, All the, right. The third one is believe one it or not, that's lots of time. Um, Jay. You guys are wrong. He, they both show up in the same book, but okay. you don't find out about it until much later. Sure. You don't find out about the relationship. Correct. Oh, interesting. Uh, I will say that this is one of the hardest things I have to defend because when when this bracket comes up, when this vote comes up, I will be voting for Dresden Files. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but. It is that good and deserves every bit of praise it's received. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to rebuttal here. I mean, I think X-Wing is fantastic. I think that if they, you were only going to play one miniatures game, it should probably be X-Wing because they're pre-painted minis. Really? They look great on the table. They are. Um, it's pretty easy to get into. You only have to buy a few miniatures in comparison. Um, you might need some help. Getting picking those few miniatures, um, and with the second edition, you no longer have to buy miniatures that you'll never play to get cards that you, in theory, uh, the cards should be available to everyone. That's time. And just out of curiosity, though, remind me, Trevor, is that because they're not like random booster packs anymore? They never were random booster packs. We what you'd get is when you bought a a ship, you would get two or three cards that would maybe introduce a new rule. And so that card wouldn't necessarily go with that ship. It would allow you to, when you, oh, build, when you built your okay. points load out on a different ship, so you'd almost have to buy everything. And I think that they've done a really good job of kind of removing that requirement. Mm -hmm. In fact, you don't even really have to have the physical cards anymore. Um, I believe that they have an app that allows you to pick the cards you want. So you don't have to, you just have to buy the miniatures you need. So there are some big benefits for second edition. I know with a lot of the fans of the series of the game, they were a little turned off by second edition, but I think a lot of the changes were 
well received. And okay. The other thing they did in second edition was they took the points off the cards so that they could they could edit them on the fly, and it would show up in your digital app instead of it making it easier to errata things and mm-hmm, fix mm-hmm. major problems, which mm. I also think was a good play. But I think it sort of turned some people off because they didn't want to have to take their you know their their tablet to the game store to play. Right. Right. But I think I think it's the same thing as like Xbox going to digital only. Like once you do it, you're like, why did I ever have cartridges? Why did I resist? Discs? Right. Yeah. Why did yeah. I resist this? All right, Jay, you may rebut at will, sir. Okay, the gloves come off. So there's yes. a Dang Soon meme where there's like this illustration of a beautifully drawn thoroughbred horse, and underneath it, it says Dune. And then there's a kid drawing a stick figure horse, and it says Star Wars. I can't believe you're bringing this meme to play. I'm, like, so amazed. Okay, carry on. Okay, so this X-Wing is resting solely on the IP and solely on taking a rule set that someone else made and making it worse. Jake, can you answer Time. my question? That's, that's... Just one, one question. Am I wrong? Is what, is, what is dog fighting made a game worse by adapting yeah. it? What dog fighting is there in Doom? <laughs> uh, the Harkonnens versus the Atreides. Oh really? What do the ships look like? Yeah. Also, you don't realize it, but the sandworms are actually fighting in three day space. It's just you know there's sand <laughs> instead of space. They are not. It's not derivative. I'm sorry. <laughs> Answer big, my question. A True big draw. The X-Wing rules are worse than what it's based on. Uh, that's true. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. But okay. it is not derivative of Dune. That is derivative of a completely different <laughs> That's game. the part that I couldn't stop laughing at, that Jay would bring that meme into his <laughs> argument. <laughs> uh, thank heavens for memes. It's not, it's not in our... Our bracket, but the truth is, is you want to, if you want a pure dogfighting game, there is, and a simpler game, there are better choices than X-Wing. But if you want a miniatures game that you play competitively, your only option is X-Wing. Right. <laughs> All right. To whom do I now pass the, um, the bruised go... and battered moderator torch? <laughs> I'll go next. I'm, after, I'm ready to see uh, uh, Trevor get, like, clubbed like a baby sill on this matchup. <laughs> and we have Savage Worlds, Trevor, versus the Middle Earth books, Joshua Wheeler. Oh, this is easy. Those books suck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Trevor, start your, your minute. Okay. Um, in Savage Worlds, you don't just go on an adventure for days on end and have things talking about the flowers and the trees. You actually get to go do things, fun things. And you can do it in any world you want, including the lame Middle Earth worlds, if you'd like. <laughs> Savage Worlds is a unique but universal game system that can be applied to tons of different games. In fact, it is better than 3.5 D&D in that it has... Uh, a more robust rule set, but it's not so deep that you're like getting into the crunch all the time. It is about storytelling. It is about RPGs. It is about fun. And there's tons of books available for it. And there's no Tom Bombadil. <laughs> okay, Trevor got done early there, because there, listen, he, can't, listen. he can't fill a full minute of Praising Savage Worlds. But I did notice that... Uh, no, no, no. This is the 116 the... seed that's going to crush the one seed. Because this okay. is... Those books are worthless. <laughs> I, I did. I did find it humorous that he like set up the, uh, you know, basic 
most easy hurdle to pass of this this role playing game is better than D and D. But anyways, uh, Josh, you may now talk about the Middle Earth books. I mean, I think it's uh, telling that my opponent began his argument trying to cast down the property upon which his property is built. I mean, you're basically I'm I'm here to defend and to remind you of the foundation upon which most of our fantasy, especially Western-leaning fantasy, rests. The Savage Worlds would not exist. RPGs would not exist had Tolkien not, in 1937, began laying down this incredible, overarching, you know, ongoing foundation. And yes, did he pull from myth and legend that is as as distant and ancient as time immemorial yes he did but that's because only he could do it and so may maybe sometimes some men are not equipped to endure the majesty of the middle earth books (laughs) endure you have to endure them i don't want to endure my fun let me ask you a question if I had a uh, Nintendo NES right here, and I had a, a brand new PlayStation 5 next to it, and I said, Josh, you may have one of these two. Which are you going to have? Are you going to take the foundation for which all game systems are based upon, or something that's actually derivative but way, way better? I mean, do you have Legend of Zelda on the NES? <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, then I had to think about it a little, I guess. (laughs) The point being is, sure, it's the foundation. But I don't walk on my foundation. I walk on nice plush carpet. It's on top of it because it's better. It's the (laughs) next layer. Sure, it adds. It makes it different than what it was originally. But that's a good thing. You don't want to stay with the old crap forever because it's crap. I'm sorry. Those books are crap. They're horrible to read through. They're boring as all get out. I don't know why anybody still reads them at this point. They're like Beowulf. Who reads that crap anymore? <laughs> I'm, I feel like there's never been like a better encapsulation of the Idaho education system than what they just sat through. <laughs> uh, I'm prepared. You have a rebuttal. You may go. Here's the thing. The Middle Earth books, you could pull out almost any one of them, and it could stand on its own for incredible workmanship, for incredible world building, and for characters and scenes and moments and emotion that has become a part of our zeitgeist for, you know, basically almost a century now. I mean, think of how incredible The Hobbit is. Think of how many times we all say, you shall not pass. Think of even if you were to spend your time playing my opponent's property, where your quotes would come from. Lord of the Rings, that's where. Okay, well. (laughs) You're not even going to put your thumb on the scale, are you, Jay? I mean, there's no need to. I like... No one cares about Savage Worlds. We can <laughs> just move on to the next matchup. <laughs> I, I will be voting for Savage Worlds, and so will most of the listeners who agree with me, because those books, they're so... <laughs> okay, so let me get this, this straight. Point. People that agree with you... <laughs> agree with you? That, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> if these books make it past like the third round, I'm going to lose it. He's going to weep. 
<laughs> okay, Trevor. Our next one is me defending Call of Cthulhu and Josh Wheeler defending the Batman movies. Man, which I feel bad about. <laughs> this is Call of Cthulhu as a five seed versus Batman movies a twelve seed, and boy howdy. Uh, well, this needs like the uh, seems unlikely where uh, like. I, I don't remember the character, but he's sitting on the bus and he's like, I'm in danger. <laughs> and that's basically <laughs> Ralph Bingham, right you're now. right. It is the I'm in danger meme. Oh no. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jay, you are the higher seed, so I'll let you go first. <laughs> okay, so I have I've ran one off campaigns of Call of Cthulhu. I've ran longer campaigns. I recently ran the Massive Night of the Thotep campaign. And one of the things I love about the system is that it conveys the sense of horror. It conveys a sense of madness. It also conveys the sense of futility that uh, life and existence in this universe has. And I, I think that's something that's great. I think it's great to be able to play a role-playing game where you are scared for your life as opposed to the default conflict resolution is that I'm going to roll for initiative and just steamroll, you know, this Tarrasque that uh, is in my way. Um, it's it's old because it's a classic, and it still holds its weight today. So I, I'm just going to throw in here that I feel like most modern RPGs attempt to at least capture some of that. I mean, mm-hmm. Call of Cthulhu does it more successfully than almost any other RPG out there. And it feels like most of the really good ones, modern ones, try to capture some of those elements. I mean, it is is really a masterpiece. Um, but unfortunately, it's probably going to go down to Josh. I mean, Joe. I'm about to talk about a film series that is almost as extensive as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's dedicated to one character, his allies, and his incredible rogues gallery right so we're here to talk about the batman films i count 19 of them total uh of course my my particular favorites are the christopher nolan batmans but the thing that's been amazing about both the batman character the mythos and you know the process of all the films is made is that that there are like eras of batman films you know you had the um shoot not tim curry you know who i'm talking about though um Michael Keaton? Yeah, but Tim Burton. Tim Burton, thank you. You had the Tim Burton Batmans. You had Michael Keaton's Batmans, you know. You had the Christopher Nolan Batmans. You have the modern Batmans now. You have the Lego Batman. I mean, the character has been on such a journey for all of us all this time. It's foundational. Um, I'm just gonna give you a little bit of extra time, Josh, because I don't think you realize that it's the movies and TV category. So it does cover Batman TV. Oh, okay. Hold on just a minute then. I, w- I was going to try to like slow my roll defending Batman, but if Batman the Animated Series is in this category, you have to vote for it. It's literally, <laughs> the, greatest, it's literally the greatest animated series that has ever existed, and it has Batman. I, I, we need to have an, a, a separate conversation at some point about the Batman Animated Series, because I've never seen a single episode. Oh my gosh, they're so good. Have you watched Samurai Jack yet? Um, we've watched probably four or five episodes i'm having a, i'm having a hard time getting in josh oh. i'll admit it 
Well, then fine. You should try Batman the Animated Series. I was going to say, you should finish Samurai Jack first. <laughs> but Batman the Animated Series is probably better than Samurai Jack. We'll we'll continue, but it's mm, it's a little episodic in ways. I realize there's an overarching plot, but it's very episodic in the way it approaches each episode. Right. And, I mean, that that's, feels like last century to me. So That is true. It does predate Netflix. <laughs> Jay, would you like to rebut your uh, opponent? Sure, yeah. So there's so many bad Batman movies. There's so many <laughs> like there's nipples on the bat suit is a joke because <laughs> this series is a joke. Like yes, Nolan did a great job with the movies, but Batman's an awful character, and it took here, an amazing here. director to turn this into something that was a great movie. That's us. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bring these harsh truths to you. <laughs> Josh? There are no nipples on the bat suit in Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> <laughs> I rest my case solely on the merits of Batman the Animated Series. And I mean, here's the thing is that you can feel just a taste of that psychological horror that you could spend hours and hours trying to achieve by playing uh, Cthulhu. Right. You can just feel that in the journey into madness that many of Batman's villains uh, take. Time's up. All right. Uh, this one's hard. I'm like Trevor. This one's hard for me because honestly, I'm going to vote for Call of Cthulhu because <laughs> I, you know, it, it's like one of my early loves. I, I really do love the Nolan films, um, but I just don't like the Batman character and I never have. And I just don't know that I ever will. I don't know that someone could. There's just so many things I just don't really like about him. And maybe if someone kind of redid him in a different way, different attitudes towards life, I might. Did you not even like the character in the Nolan films? No, not really. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I only say because it felt like that was, a, you know, a slightly different telling of a Batman story than you had seen before, you know? Sure. I mean, it still feels like kind of the Dark Knight style Batman from the comics. Yeah. And I just. I don't know. I don't like I that. I mean, at least with uh, at least with Iron Man. So, oh, I'm glad you bring this up because I want to hear because I feel like those are very comparable characters. Okay, like so Iron Man too. So oh, Batman's right. power is that he's filthy rich. Mm-hmm. Well, and he inherited it for the record. Yeah, I, I'm aware. Yes. Okay. That's my uh, favorite power. Iron Man, <laughs> in comparison, is yes, he's filthy rich, but he's also super smart, and he also has a personality. And so, I don't yeah, know. I mean, if this were a bracket, like whatever. Batman, Look, Batman versus Iron Man, I would pick Iron Man. And I oh, hate I Iron can't Man. believe that. I mean, so Batman's one dimension is my parents are dead. Iron Man's one dimension yes. is my bottle of whiskey is empty. I mean, come on. So they're both one dimensional. <laughs> I would I would be much more into Batman if he were fighting the the internal dialogue a little bit more like Iron Man like I want to see his bottle in. Well then you should Batman, read what, you should read the what dark is going Knight on Earth. with Batman other than a raspy voice. <laughs> He's Batman. I, I need to find some Listerine today. <laughs> I don't know what to, I don't know. Moving on. We spent enough time talking about Batman. All right, fine. Oh, am I back to being moderator? I'm yes. so excited to put my thumb on the scales again. Baldur's Gate. I'm defending Stranger Things. Trevor is defending. Oh, I don't like this. I don't want to be the moderator anymore. 
<laughs> what are the seeds? Uh, Baldur's Gate is seven. Seven seed and in the video games. The tenth seed. Mm. Okay, so this will be out of a character for me, but Jam, and have you go first with Baldur's Gate. Okay, so I've spent so many effing hours on this franchise. So this is including, you know, the Baldur's Gate, game, Icewind Dale, Icewind Dale, Neverwinter Nights, um, Planescape Torment. Planescape Torment, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, the, I would even say that the Numenera is sort of derivative. Well, I guess yeah, it's that's not that's the same studio, yes. but yes. So. Any franchise that contains the greatest role-playing game ever, Planescape, Torment, uh, gets boosted up a lot, obviously. But um, uh, one one potential downside on this one is I will admit that it is... It, they were very, very crunchy on... Like, it was an implementation of AD&D 2nd Edition, um, which could be a little bit of a barrier for people at the time, probably. But, um, like, it was just so amazing to see these worlds translated into a game and to see them be digitized into something that wasn't just my imagination. And I, I feel like it's, again, one of these foundational things for the industry. That is time. Well done, Jay. Boo approves. Uh, Trevor, Stranger Things, one minute, go. Stranger Things isn't just a TV show. It is a phenomenon in our culture right now. The everybody's asking, "Did you see the latest Stranger Things episode?" I mean, currently we're we're in an off season, so maybe our memories of it are a little bit dulled, but it's coming back soon with a fourth season. And this is something that is interested my daughter and my kids in the 80s. I mean, clearly it's playing fan service to those of us who grew up in the 80s, but it does it in such a way that even those who didn't experience the 80s are enjoying it. I think that it does a great job of providing a callback to the wonder years of movies, the Steven Spielberg style movies where yes, they're scary, but they're not scary just for the sake of being scary. They're, they're fun, scary. They're interesting, scary. They provide a sense of tension. They don't overdo it. And they tell a great story about great characters that you learn to love and get to want to get to know. And I mean, I'm super excited about the fourth season of Stranger Things. And honestly, I feel like this is seated too low. I think this is one of the best um, TV series to come out of um, the greater TV complex over time. the last day. That's time. All right. Well said. I will say points in Stranger Things favor. I think that your point about it encouraging kids to be interested in that that decade or whatever, like, holds true and like my daughter is actually enjoying learning twilight struggle right now because of you know tie-ins to the cold war and and you know the 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 ruskies that kind of stuff so Uh, my daughter who is 14 has basically an 80s playlist on her spotify yeah but that could have been guardians of the galaxy's fault too no you're right it was both but it is (laughs) it is a lot of these movies that have that soundtrack from that era she's Learn to love those that music. Yeah. Jay, your rebuttal, sir. Go. So, Stranger Things is great. I love Stranger Things because I'm not a monster. But <laughs> it, it, it is derivative of playing fan service to things like what I'm talking about here, Baldur's Gate. Um, D&D, yes. Um, one other thing I will point out that uh, to give, besides just like nostalgia for it, a lot of these games are now available on like the iPad or other devices like that. And so 
mm. give them another play when you're sitting in bed in the middle of the night and experience the magic again. Time. Well done. Trevor, your rebuttal. Um, I, I, let me just say, heart to heart to the listeners, vote your conscience. But I'm going to feel... I, listen, no, I'm serious. I'm, I'm going to feel bad no matter who wins here. Like, I love both of these things. I, I'm not... I don't. I'm not going to knock on Baldur's Gate because it is this the the series. I played more um, Neverwinter Nights than which is 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 a third edition D and D based game, but it's still pretty crunchy. Yeah. Um, and you did better if you knew the rules to the game. I mean, it's I, it would be hard, I think, for someone to jump into these games without some pre knowledge um, or at least a little bit of you know guide or whatever. But I right. I just I love both of these things, and my heart's gonna be broken regardless which one wins. That's time. So voters, know that you're breaking Trevor's heart here. Uh, I will say, I actually experienced Planescape for the first time on the iPad in my bed, etc. Like you suggest, Jay. So it, that's what another thing that's incredible about that property is they really hold up. Like, yeah, yeah. All right, I pass the moderator torch again. Um, okay, so our next matchup, I think we have Legend of the Five Rings versus Spider-Man. Okay, so Trevor's the moderator. <laughs> Excellent. So Legend of the Rings is, this is a eight and nine seed matchup. Um, so the Legend of the Five Rings is <laughs> the ninth seed in the um, RPGs category, and Spider-Man movies are the eighth seed in the movies and TV category. Uh, so Josh, you're going to be going first. Um Where'd I put my timer? Go ahead. It's weird that I have defended both the Batman series of movies and the Spider-Man series of movies, but here's the thing. Even the worst of the Spider-Man movies are still a ton of fun. But more importantly, let's just talk about the fact that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse exists, literally the greatest animated picture that mankind has ever produced. Probably the pinnacle. You should probably pack it in, Sony. Don't make any more because you've peaked right there. Like that movie is so incredible. And more importantly, the voice actress for Doc Ock now has yeah. another incredible role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so she is like doubly, probably triply my favorite now. Uh, incredible character, really fun movies done. I mean, the Raimi series of films were a ton of fun. Everything he did in the MCU is amazing. The ones that are, a little, you know, the, the what do we call them? The home series of movies that the most modern ones. Incredible. I mean, like the fact that you could take a villain like Vulture and make me think he is like in the top three Spider-Man villains of all time is a huge testament to that film and to Michael Keaton. I mean, look at that guy's range from Batman to Vulture. What incredible craftsmanship. <laughs> uh so it's just oh, got you're up. Sorry, I was, range, depth. I was, you actually whip, had me pull in on that. Whip. I let, so I'm letting you go beyond, but I, I shouldn't have. You, in. Oh, you did suck Take me that, in for a second Jay. there. You said something that I think is a little controversial, although I actually agree with okay. it. And that is that it is the uh, best animated film of all time. I actually do agree with you. Um, but I think that you're, man, that's a hard thing to actually back up when you start thinking about are you a fan of any of the Miyazaki films? Oh, I mean, I've watched Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away, and I mean, I think they're like just pure delight, honestly. Um, but I probably haven't watched all of them. Sure, there's a lot. I I haven't watched all of them either. But you still firmly think that that it is soundly in first place. 
Uh, for me, it is 100. percent Which one is? Yeah. Into the Spider Verse. Into the Spider Verse. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I mean like the number of times that myself and you I know how it. you know how rarely I rewatch a film of any kind. You know, the number of times I've gone back to that film that my children have gone back to that film, like it just does so much so well. My 18-year-old daughter currently has a haircut, a Gwen Stacy haircut from Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> she makes me so deeply proud. Okay. Uh, Jay, it is now your turn to defend one of the greatest RPGs of all time. Go. And this is this is just the RPG, not the card game as well. Is that correct? Uh, you can throw the card game in here. I mean, we're talking about um, this is the miniatures and RPGs category, but I think that it's fair that the card game is part of that universe it certainly extends your art uh, assets yeah, okay I, so i think it's fair that it should be included okay the legend of the five rings is a fantasy um setting that is made up of like tropes from ancient japan and china and fantasy elements from that and it's it's created something that is unique in the role-playing world and and popularized it it is a system that is also mechanically um, a very well done game. The roll and keep system is easy to learn and intuitive in how it works. Uh, again, this is also another uh, RPG system that is plays on something that I enjoy of it being a lethal setting where uh, you are a little bit worried to uh do combat it's also one of the things that is is mm. kind of fun about this world is like at no point would you ever think you know what would be really fun to do is like role play out this tea ceremony but like <laughs> you can have some of the most amazing role playing sessions <laughs> based around role playing out the tea ceremony that's <laughs> that you're doing with your characters and you know I, I say this to you and you probably hear that and think that i'm crazy but trust me it's true Okay, uh, I gave give you an extra twenty seconds because I gave Josh an extra twenty seconds. Okay. Let me Scandal. just. I just want to. I just want to back up what Jay is saying in that the things that we talked about in Call of Cthulhu, Legend of the Five Rings has in Spades, and I would say that the core um, game mechanics in Legend of the Five Rings are superior to Call of Cthulhu. Like Legend of the Five Rings, mm-hmm. when I first saw the game mechanics, I was like, wow, this game does an amazing job of making you make hard decisions during character creation. And et cetera, et cetera. I just, I, I really adore the Legend of the Five Rings game system, um, and I think the setting's fantastic. So, anyway, uh, Josh, would you like to rebut the Legend of the Five Rings? Uh, I mean, Spider-Man has been to uh, Japan and China, and he, <laughs> he kicks butt there too. And you know, if you need him to form a katana and samurai suit out of his webbing, I'm sure he could do that for you especially if the Sony animators had anything to do with it. Thank you into the Spider-Verse once more for existing. Um, you know, and Legend of the Five Rings just clearly doesn't have staying power. I mean, where is it? Where is it in the zeitgeist, you know? Why are people not clamoring for it? That's it. Um, I actually think that's a travesty that it's not more a public zeitgeist, but whatever. Jay? <laughs> Okay, so I didn't really get a chance to talk about the card game, but it was a card game that went on for years and years and years. And one of the things that was really cool about it was that Alderac would host these big conventions and whatever happened in the convention would have impact on what was happening in the storyline and on the sets that we're releasing in the future. And so 
they were one of the first companies to do that, and the the card game was a lot of fun. It was had a lot of cool artwork, and Matt Wilson, creator of War Machine, uh, that was one of the things that he um, got his entry into the industry was through doing art for L5R. I did not know that. Yeah. It's true. I think a lot of people got their start there because they were willing to, you know, take a chance on some people. There's some great art in Legend of the Five Rings. I'm, I am a little bit grateful. So when, when we did this bracket, uh, um, I, I push really strongly that it should just be into the Spider-Verse. Um, and I don't think that Legend of the Five Rings really has a chance, but at least it has, like, some of the other, like, Andrew Garfield movies or something dragging it down a little bit so that uh, L5R has a little bit more of a fighting chance. What Moderator, what is going on here with this extra rebuttal that my opponent is getting? Oh, I will, okay, I'll, 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 I'll say something nice. I, I do, like, Into the Spider-Verse might be not just, you know, Josh said the best animated movie. It might be the best uh, superhero movie. Ooh, yeah, that's a strong argument. Like it's top three easily. easily. So I, I feel like the movie that maybe it would have to compete with is probably Dark Knight, um, or Guardians of the Galaxy. Those would be the kind of the three that I would throw it in with, and I feel like it's probably that it's well worth the discussion. Like that's an interesting discussion to me. Right. Right. Yeah. I also I really like Civil War. Just I have a clarification that. that's probably also an extra rebuttal since my opponent got an extra rebuttal. Like, <laughs> sure, sure, whatever. What, what happened to the Alderac card game? And like, because now that got, there is an L5R card game that's Fantasy Flights got it, and like, yeah, it's it all very confusing. Like, why, why would I want to get involved with L5R with all these different, you know, games, etc.? He <laughs> became a, a Fantasy Flight LCG, and they just announced they're discontinuing it. Because... And it, it's totally different mechanics than the Alderac product. Uh, no, it was it was it had some revisions, but it, the core mechanics were the same. Interesting. So why do you think it doesn't have the staying power? Because people have bad taste. <laughs> All right. <laughs> mm, I I think maybe part of it is Alderac's fault. I'm not sure they've done the best job of marketing the game over the years. I year. mean, Alderac isn't involved anymore. I know, but for the majority of the life of the game, it felt like Alderac and Fantasy Flight is horrible at marketing games. Um, I mean, it is. I mean, the life cycle of most LCGs. The only one that is a exception to this is the Arkham Horror LCG, which is just like the gift that keeps on giving because it's just so good and people love it. Um, but you know, they'll they'll announce an LCG, they'll do a couple cycles of it, and then it'll get discontinued, and people will wonder why they. Yeah, why they ever bought in. in. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, one of the things I think that, that Legend of the Five Rings maybe lacks is um, some notable, memorable characters that you could maybe write books about or create TV series around or something. I, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, will, saying. I will say that, so this was, this was quite a while ago, but like there actually were some really well done novels that were in the L5R universe. Yeah, I don't I I, I really can't explain it because there are some really notable characters and I don't want to make it sound like there isn't, but but they just never really they never got into the public zeitgeist like Josh is talking about. No one really like the average person wouldn't know a name of a character like right, yeah. 
like even even among like dri- Drizzit or whatever that you get out of D and D. Right. Even among like the customers of Gameopolis, most of them aren't going to. Yeah, they won't know a name of somebody in Legend of the Five Rings. Even I, right now, off the top of my head, couldn't tell you the name of some. I would recognize them if I saw them. Right. But I can't tell you a name off the top of my head. I don't know. It, it just goes back to uh, the the more I do, um, <laughs> the more I do st- stuff with being self-employed or, or running my business. Everything goes back to marketing, and yeah, it's just the way things are. <laughs> okay, so our final matchup. This is. Star Trek: The Movies and TV with Josh Wheeler versus Blood Bowl. I I took I Blood Bowl it was the movies I, and TV. This seems unkind to Blood Bowl. Uh, I mean, I'm actually wondering why we gave it a 14 seed, why it's not lower. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Whatever, Blood Bowl is probably going to lose in the first round. That's that's fine. Um, <laughs> start my time. I'm just going to go. Uh, okay, go. Blood Bowl is the standard by which all sports miniatures games will always be measured. The problem is, is that we're talking about a sub subgenre of a subgenre, and Blood Bowl. <laughs> oh, probably a subgenre. Yeah, Blood Bowl is the leader of that subgenre, and it's because of its long lastingness, because it basically introduced the subgenre, and because it still exists today, it's it is mildly fun when things go the way you expect them to. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I can all have my heart in this because I hate Blood Bowl. I hate. <laughs> The, the fact, though, is that Blood Bowl is unpredictable. The Point of order, how did he get this assignment? The, the, the truth <laughs> he was is the, the most out of all of us. <laughs> Star, Star Trek is going to try to make a three-dice block on Blood Bowl, and it's going to roll all crap, and it's going to get knocked into the mud, and Blood Bowl is going to move on to the next round. And I'm going to be like, what the heck just happened here? Because that's what happens when you play the damn game of Blood Bowl. <laughs> it's part of what I love about Blood Bowl. But this is what's so is. funny. It is it is so random sometimes. So you, random. You have to go into Blood Bowl. I mean, truthfully, you can mitigate a lot of the randomness. It is designed in a way that allows you to mitigate a lot of it. But the truth is, at the end of the day, there is still enough randomness that crazy things can happen. And that's, I mean, it's truthfully by design. But man, I've seen some really crazy stuff happen in that game to the point where I, like, so Time, angry, time, I time, time. Walked away. <laughs> Stupid game. Okay, Josh. I mean, here's the thing. Almost every one of our listeners is going to have some part of Star Trek that is just a part of their heart. You know, I'm a Picard kid. I was raised by the next generation. You know, there are listeners out there who still love the original series. There are listeners who love Deep Space Nine. Like, and uh, frankly, I enjoyed Discovery quite a bit. You know, this this more modern Star Trek that we're seeing on the streaming services now. Uh, I mean, Star Trek is one of the most optimistic pieces of science fiction that has ever been created. And it's why its tendrils extend into everything that is geekdom. I mean, look, there's a picture of me that doesn't hang in my high school anymore, but it hung there for almost 20 years in a William Riker uniform and beard. Why? Because something in the Star Trek story world presentation just captured my imagination and made me want to geek out and Time. boom boom i do think it's interesting um <clears throat> like one of the I, I think a genre of sci-fi that i i think is interesting is like what would life be like in a post scarcity society yeah which is very much a star trek story right right, right. Yeah. star trek is the 
is the the poster child of that. It's you the know, most much, aspirational science fiction that we have, probably. Yeah, much like Blood Bowl is the poster child of the miniature sports genre, Star Trek is the poster child of the utopia sci-fi genre. And uh, one of those is way bigger than the other. And <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a reason why Star Trek is going to smash Blood Bowl. But the truth is, is that Star Trek probably, I'm not sure, I think we let some of our recency bias maybe put Star Trek too low in the in the... Mm-hmm. In, in its, I mean, maybe it should have been too. Yeah, even... maybe we should record these episodes before we seed the brackets in the future. <laughs> as I start to talk about the properties, I'm like, holy cow! Like, look at how much this this you know influenced me as a as a geek, both young and old. You know, I'm, another thing that's the in the category of Star Trek, I guess. But um, not only did it like having Ohura on the show and. <laughs> such a prominent part of it made societal changes and that that yeah, it's a cultural thing too it has really changed the way <laughs> you're right blood bowl has probably never made societal changes no, <laughs> no. i mean this is this is this is Maybe like swear this is like you know galactus versus an ant i mean this the, the, there's no this is probably the most lopsided vote we're going to have in the entire bracket at any given time uh i still think star wars and power grid is going to be <laughs> I would vote for Power Grid against Star Wars quicker than I would vote for Blood Bowl versus uh, Star Trek. Sure. Okay. Uh, is, is, I, there any, is there any type of rebuttal that you want to even try to attempt on this, Trevor? <laughs> I'm going to attempt a a long pass down the sideline here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to need, like, I believe... Oh, he fumbled the know, roll. Yeah, I fumbled the roll. <laughs> Sorry, it goes out of bounds. Um, it goes to my opponent now, and my, 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 my face is over. Look, I will say because I know that I have a totally stacked deck here. Like you will, you will never have more gleeful fun than you will with Blood Bowl. Like because it's just so ridiculous and random. Yeah, I mean, one of I, my very good friend Michael Plummer, Blood Bowl is one of his favorite games, and I, I think that's great. Um, it's it's not I, the type of game that I enjoy, but yeah. that that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of one of the one of the difficulties of um, there are tons of strategy guides out there for Blood Bowl formations plays out on the internet. I mean, there is a lot of depth to Blood Bowl because if you do play it correctly, generally if you're playing against a weaker opponent, you're going to win every time. I don't see, there's it's not random to the point where a, a a good player will lose against a, a a lesser player. A good player will almost always win their games against a lesser player. It is and not that random. It just has little random moments within it that can be frustrating. As much as we have been like kind of denigrating it too, like it still gets like thousand player conventions of people. Oh, yeah. I would go to an only Blood Bowl convention. I would love to just get my face kicked in. That would be because hilarious. Those people have played it enough to know how to mitigate the randomness and to play. And they have, you know, an understanding of how to, to develop a character and what, what plays and how to. I mean, truthfully, when I see poor Blood Bowl players, it's generally because they do things that they don't really they don't really understand the mechanics and the percentages involved. Once you start to understand how those things, you can mitigate a lot of almost, I won't say all, but there's a lot of the risk you can mitigate by proper play. So it is a great game. I just don't, I, I don't have my, my heart is not in defending it against Star Trek. Okay. Um, we're at time. We don't need to belabor 
<laughs> this matchup anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that's our six for this bracket. Is that correct? Yep. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, Trevor, can you tell people some more about the voting and then we'll sign off? Sure. So um, the voting will be on Discord if you uh, subscribe to us on Patreon and you appreciate the content we're putting out. Um, the voting will also be on Facebook and Twitter. It, you follow us on Facebook, it's it's forward slash chain attack. If you follow follow me on Twitter, it's chain attack Trev. Um, the voting, uh, the first one of those that we discussed was X Wing versus Resin Files. I believe that that vote will be up on March 5th. And the votes will be up one a day, and they'll last for basically six or seven days. Um, I can't remember what I said, six days probably. Uh, and the um, there'll be vote each day of the week except for on Sundays. Um, so the, the six that we discussed, in the order we discussed them, will be Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And okay. there will be a new episode out where we talk about the next matchups. I'm so, so excited. When this, yeah. So this episode um, is for those of you who subscribe to us on Patreon. You're going to get this a week early. Uh, basically, as soon as this episode comes out, the next day, you're probably going to see the first matchup we talked about last week, which was StarCraft versus Duke. Okay, so uh, follow, vote, let us know what you think of the show, and thank you for listening.